like knives before swords, I think is the rule. Hello, I'm Justin. I'm Mark. We're the J-Pops. And we are Attempting Parenting in Japan. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to Episode 7. Uh, I'm going to jump in and say that there's big news that I want to hear. Um, this was a few, maybe even a week ago now. My wife told me that you and your wife found out the sex of your baby. We did. And I told my wife at that time, don't tell me because I want to save it for the podcast. I want to get my pure reaction to the big news on the J-Pops. This is breaking news, at least as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, so a week ago, my wife went in for the ultrasound, and they said it's a boy. Oh, we got another (laughs) boy in the house. Man, big news. Yep. Wow. Yeah. I, uh, yay. Oh, my wife popped in <laughs> just to cheer. Thank you. We got, we got J moms on the podcast now. <laughs> All right. That's, that's a Yumi's debut, everybody. All right. Uh, yeah. So that's, uh, that's big news. And, um, it's, it's crazy. What are your feelings about it? Oh, man. I'm excited for sure. Um, honestly, I thought I would have an easier time picking a name, but I feel like a little more stress because I feel like I had more girls' names picked out already. <laughs> exactly the same in our case. Exactly. Yeah. I had a list as long as my arm of girls' names, and then I was yeah. like, oh, keep my fingers crossed. But then, yeah, oh, it's going to be a boy, and we had like one or two names. But um, I'm happy we've you know narrowed down our list, and we're feeling pretty good about it now. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I was at a loss for like the hybrid Japanese and Western boys names. Man, it's such a struggle coming up with something that can work in both and not be too hard to say for anybody in either country. Yeah. And that your friends don't already have. Right. Exactly. Because, you know, the good ones are taken already. Yeah. (laughs) By by most of the people, you know. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Because there's only about five of them. So then uh, (laughs) they, they get picked right over. Uh, and we're late to the game. Everybody's got kids already, so yeah, we've got to figure out the niche. Yeah. Um, well, congratulations. I was thinking um, when we found out the the sex of our baby that I was telling my friend this, and I've probably said it on the podcast as well that you think of it as though it's a coin toss. You know, it's, they're going to tell you one or the other, and right. then uh, you think, well, I'll be happy with other. It doesn't matter. Or, I'll be happy with either. It doesn't matter. And uh, finally. They tell you and you're like, yeah, boy, all right. You know, you get excited, even though you knew that you would be happy with either. Then you still have a reaction to whichever one it is, which kind of took me aback. I was surprised by that. Yeah. For me, it's more just that I feel like this is like a threshold moment. Like, all right, they Mm -hmm. told us there's a sex. Okay, now it's getting more serious. We're Mm -hmm. on to the next step. I really have to pick a name now. (laughs) Yeah. And you can just you can narrow down so much when you know the sex that you're yeah. shopping for, and then yeah. uh, things get kicked into the second gear, or it's like the next phase of buying and solidifying your plans. Well, thankfully, nothing that I've put in my Amazon registry so far has needed to change based on mm-hmm. that. Like yeah. most of the stuff we were picking was kind of gender neutral overall, and yeah, so that's good. Newborns are kind of androgynous. They don't yeah. really care one way or the other. It yeah. matter. They're all bald. They, they don't complain about their clothing. Yeah, so it's there's going to be a lot of rivalry between the Whittinghills and the Harrises now. A couple of boys know. coming I'm, up side by side. Are they going to be rivals or are they going to, you know, cheer each other on? I think yeah, that's... Because I think they're going to be in, like, different sport camps or, like, interest camps. Because you guys oh, seem yeah. more like basketball, kind of chess... Uh, centric yeah yeah Yeah. i'm gonna be like board games and computers in my house (laughs) yeah true and then the kids will get their own like wild spirits that are untamable by us and go off on these crazy directions they'll probably both play baseball but we'll have to hope (laughs) they have to both make it to the prefectural level and then uh you know prefectural champs and then in all the big ishikawa versus toyama games that's when they'll face off that's when that's we'll find true. out whose baby is on top. That's true. That's true. But uh, yeah, that's good. I, you know, I, I had, it had crossed my mind that um, 
if uh, you guys were going to have a girl, we would have a boy, then there might be that phase when they're, you know, three, four, five years old or whenever it happens of like, I don't want to hang out with him. He's a right. boy, you know, like that kind of thing back and forth. But boys, high potential. They'll be thick as thieves and into all the same crazy stuff. Yeah. Assuming we can get them together to hang out enough. I mean, we're what we live like, what, 45 minutes away from each other. <laughs> yeah. I think our wives keep us tied together and they'll keep us yeah, in the game. You know, that's true. So it'll work out. But like that distance, when you think about it in like the States or somewhere, it's really nothing. Yeah. Like you're like, oh, I'm going to go over to my friend's house. It's like a 30 minute drive. Yeah. But in Japan, when you're like, oh, I have a friend who's 30 minutes away, I guess I'll see him after New Year's. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's very common. And in Kentucky, it was exactly the same because you're surround. I mean, I lived in a town, but it was surrounded by farmland for you know Uh-oh. an hour in all directions. And so um, if you've got somebody who lives out in the county, it's like, yeah, little 30 minute drive. No big deal. Or if you yeah. got to go across town and then out into that farmland on the other end like you you could just drive all day just to see your friend totally normal yep totally fine wow so this is i mean this is huge it's breaking news it would have been huge either way but um it's crazy we've got the j pops and now the j sons jason could be a name i have thought about jason it's not a bad name but i know quite a few jasons <laughs> yeah i know a jason harris one of my great friends is named jason harris actually so this will be oh. deeply confusing to me <laughs> now that we're gonna name it jason you know it's just ooh, i don't know what to think that's, anymore that's stuck all right yeah <laughs> cool well one less thing to think about uh any any updates on your end um, nothing in particular. It's more of the, uh, sort of, Hey, we went to an appointment and everything's fine. So there's nothing to report. And that is the best kind of report there is. Yep. Nothing to worry about, nothing to give us anxiety. So yeah, my wife just had a pretty big appointment a couple of days ago and it was a okay. Nice. So that's perfect. No troubles there. And, uh, I should say she's at 30 weeks. Moe is at uh, 23 weeks. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, um, Let's let's crack on with the segments. I said crack yeah. on for Joe because I know it's British and thought Joe would appreciate it. Let's crack <laughs> on with the segments. Um, you're welcome, Joe. <laughs> you're welcome, Joe. <laughs> Amazon registry time. What's the yeah? Story? Let's uh, let's keep talking about this because eventually they'll sponsor us, right? <laughs> yeah, Amazon. Yeah, <laughs> they like little guys like us. They'll throw us some money for sure. No chance. Uh, I wanted to update. Uh, a little bit about the Amazon registry this time, just because uh, I recently saw that there was the welcome box that was uh, back uh, available at Mm -hmm. Amazon now. And there's a few rules that you have to, or not rules. Rules, you mean like requirements or something or stipulations? Yeah. So the Amazon welcome box for your registry it's available to anybody with a Prime account, and as long as you spend or have somebody else spend uh, seven hundred yen worth of whatever is in your in your cart there, then they'll send you out this welcome box. And it says when you when you add it to your cart, it shows up as nine hundred and twenty yen. But then that'll get zeroed out when you actually go to finalize the purchase. It's just I don't know why they put it there. Yeah, I heard about the welcome box. I read about it on a website uh, a few months ago and I went to check it out and then I saw it was prime only and I'm like, I'm not gonna be a prime member. I have somehow like held off on joining Amazon Prime, so I just let that one go. But um, does it say what's in the box? Do you know what to expect? Uh, yeah, it gives sample products for uh, a lot of things you'll need as a new parent. It's like diapers, some wipes. Um, I think there's some of the cloths in there and then different types of, of lotions uh, and that kind of stuff. Just basic essential items. Yeah, some freebies from Amazon. Yep. So go for it, all you Prime members. My Amazon registry update is the gifts have been rolling in, my friend. We've gotten loads of stuff. Have you received anything yet from your registry? We haven't really shared it yet, so no. It hasn't gone out extensively for us, but I think it's one of those things where like, uh, somebody who wants to spend, like a parent or something, would choose Mm. loads of items and then say, you know, like one big nice thing and then like 10 
sort of smaller, cheaper things. So you just get, oh, we're getting like three packages a day there for a while. It was ridiculous. Wow. But, um, That's nice. Yes. Your list is almost done then, right? Uh, nearly. And some people have gone off list, which I really appreciate um, because if you have friends who are parents, I would almost encourage those people to buy from their experience rather than buy what I've naively put on my list. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that makes sense. Yeah, we've got a couple of friends who have, uh, I want to see a four-year-old, five-year-old. So they've been through it. They know it's coming. And then they, in their infinite wisdom, bought us a couple of things that we didn't even ask for. And I was like, oh, this is better than uh, than what I knew to, to ask for in the registry. But we got wow, some, you know, cool. yeah, some standard clothes, a couple of books. We got a uh, some sort of blanket. We just received about 30 minutes ago. You saw it happen. The car Dude. seat. That is here. It's in an enormous box. I haven't even opened it yet. And uh, add that to the playpen. I mean, we're just rolling in it from the Amazon. Yeah, you guys are pretty much set. Yeah, we're ready to go. We're just (laughs) smooth sailing until the baby's born. Um, Oh, we got some gauze. They call it gauze. I don't know if this is um, like in English, if that's what they say. But in Japanese, they say gauze. And it's like that sort of very thin rag or towel that you would use to, you know, wipe some spit up or something. I've always known them as towels. Yeah, I always heard towel or baby towel or whatever. In English, for me, gauze is the stuff you wrap around a, a wound. Yeah, yeah, it's not that serious, um, but it's uh, just got some little pictures on it, and it's cute little gauze, they say. Nice. So Amazon is um, coming through for us. That's been nice. And I think Casey told us very early on, our friend Casey, who we interviewed in episode four, he said um, on on Twitter once, uh, he was like, you basically don't need to buy anything. Like he's never bought like baby right. clothes. They all just came in. And that's been my experience here so far, uh, getting prepped. Um, so that's the, uh, that's the Amazon roundup. Things yep. are happening. It's all happening. It is. You've got a few things to talk about today that I have never heard of and have no idea about. So what are those things? Yeah. So a few weeks ago now, uh, my wife and I went to a local shrine. I think it's called Hanyu Gokoku Hachimangu Shrine. And it's the biggest shrine in our city. And also happens to be run by my Japanese teacher's family. And that's how that's how we kind of became aware of it and decided to go to that, that shrine for the, the ceremony. That ceremony is called Anzan Kigan. Anzan Kigan literally translates to pray for easy delivery. Uh, So this ceremony is typically done in the fifth month of a woman's pregnancy. In Japan, the fifth month typically occurs between the 16th and 19th weeks of pregnancy. Uh, The 16th week is, is considered safe from miscarriages. So the shrine guy, the priest... Uh, who's actually my my Japanese teacher's father and a really nice guy, um, awaken the the kami that's in the shrine and say like, hey, like these two are having a baby, can we can we get you to come out here and like <laughs> like make sure this is cool and everything goes this, smoothly? The shrine guy sounds very <laughs> informal. <laughs> So that's, yeah, so it's for God's protection or a God's protection, some Shinto God's protection of your pregnancy then. Yes, yes, basically. All right. We have no such experience with that yet. Are you planning on anything like that? Um, I don't know. I haven't heard tell of it. I mean, it may come up, but um, yeah, I don't know about the, um, the... Anzan Kigan, is that what it's called? Oh, I've messed yeah. it all up. The Anzan Kigan. Well, tell me about the relation to Inu no Hi, which sounds like, uh, you know, day of the dog or dog day. So Anzan Kigan is done on Inu no Hi, which means dog's day in English, because it's believed that dogs have relatively easy deliveries. Uh, Inu no Hi happens two or three times a month, depending on how it falls within the year. Uh, it, in the Chinese calendar, dog is the 10th or 11th animal. And so there's a dog day every 12 days. And in December this year, there were actually three dog days. Uh, it was the 4th, 
the 16th and the 28th. Okay. And so ideally, when you're doing the Anzan Kigan, you want to do it on a day that falls on Inu no Hi, because it's mm-hmm. kind of like boosting your luck. Oh, that makes sense. Because of the litter. That makes sense. So they'll crank out seven or eight puppies at a time, no bigs, and uh, no trouble. That makes a lot of sense. Can I just say about lucky and unlucky days, this puts me in mind of wedding ceremonies. And um, I think that mm. this is not connected to the the 12 animals and that, that sort of zodiac list of, of animals. But the in Japan, they have that um, alternate old calendar that overlays the modern calendar. And it's like a six-day week, I think. And oh, yeah. Some of those six days are considered one of them's very lucky and one of them's very unlucky, and there are like varying degrees of luck. And then you want to get your wedding on like basically not on the unlucky day. And uh, my wife and I, when we were planning our wedding, we went to uh, you know some venue and they showed us available dates. And I noticed that there was a nice like weekend date, just a prime weekend date that we it would have worked well for us and it happened to be two thousand dollars cheaper for the reservation uh as compared to any of the other dates that were available and i was like oh there we go there's the one and uh it's because it was on the dreaded butsumetsu which is the unluckiest of the the ancient six day week and um i thought i don't know two thousand dollars sounds very fortunate very fortunate and i'm wow. <laughs> we we didn't end up choosing it uh because it was just you know it was too unlucky to sell to the entire family basically but um i would advise everyone uh luck doesn't exist so if you can get two thousand dollars <laughs> take two thousand dollars put it in your pocket it, it it does exist and uh you can enjoy it all the way to the bank yeah Very so nice. <laughs> the luck is a big thing. Hopefully the Inu, Inu no He didn't cost you an extra two grand. But um, anyway. Uh, no, it's actually pretty cheap. It's a, uh, a, at least the shrine we went to, it's only 5,000 yen. And it's All a pretty right. quick ceremony overall. It took us like maybe 20 minutes in the whole like setup. Like the priest talks to you and tells you like what's going to happen. And then he does the thing. And then you're out of there. Any photo opportunities? Yeah, I was able to video the whole thing. Oh, okay. It, it yeah. sounds like one of those things that you might dress up for and then bring a photographer along. Did that happen? No? No, I was my own photographer, and oh, okay. I wore the warmest clothes I could wear because it was very cold. Okay. So <laughs> that makes that's, sense. The, that's the extent of my dressing up. All right. Well, um, ceremonies are available, everyone. If you're into ceremonies, go for yep. it. Uh, one more time. What's the name of it? I can't remember. Anzan Kigan. All right. Um, let's see. Next up on our list, you wanted to talk about coffee. Yeah. I uh, Just something I've wondered about, and I thought that this would be valuable information for people out there, is uh, you always hear about, you know, do do this and don't do this during the pregnancy. Obviously not for the dads, but for the mother. Um, and coffee is one of those where people say you should avoid coffee and avoid caffeine. And um I think it's one of those things. I mean, this this was my thinking before I looked into it whatsoever. It seems like everything is fine in very tiny doses. You know, your methamphetamines, right. your heroines, all of it. Just <laughs> keep it to a minimum. Not you know, a full line, just a, a quarter line. Exactly, a quarter line. <laughs> uh, dime bag, no. Nickel bag, fine. These are the rules of thumb. Nickel bag. Yeah. Nickel bag. Whoa. How dare you invoke nickel bag in my presence. Um, so... Coffee is one of those things that I thought, yeah, probably. And, you know, I'll occasionally as I make coffee, I'll pour like a a finger of coffee, if I could say (laughs) so, into a cup. And uh, my wife will enjoy a finger of coffee. And uh, then it was always in the back of my mind, am I doing something wrong? Is this a mistake that we're making? So I looked it up in our number one resource, uh, what to expect when you're expecting. And if everyone will turn with me to page 64 of what to expect when when you're expecting, uh, there's a caffeine counter there. And the long and short of it is, at the end of the day, you can have daily, you can have, say, two very small cups or like maybe one-ish average sized cup. But there's so much that goes into it because what if it's a high caffeine dose or what if you make, you know, a, a sort of weaker coffee? So you have to take all that into consideration 
But if you're making it yourself at home and it's normal strength and it's just average, then they say according to what to expect when you're expecting two small cups, two very small cups is fine. Um, and uh, the numbers are, they say, uh, limit your caffeine intake to 200 milligrams. And then those 200 milligrams shake out in a lot of different ways. Um, if it's brewed Damn, coffee, lot, actually. Yeah, well, they say a 240 milliliter brewed coffee has 135 milligrams. So 240 yeah. mils, that's roughly a quarter of a liter, right? And that's yeah. uh, 135. So you could probably get, what, 300, 350 um, milliliters of coffee, sort of at a normal even brew, which seems like quite a lot, actually, coming up on a third of a liter. That's not yeah. bad. Um an espresso, a 30 mil espresso has 90 milligrams. So you could have two 30 mil espressos and so on. Uh, one canned cola only has 35 milligrams. So you could just go crazy on your canned colas. It's it's really shocking to me. I thought you yeah, were supposed so to give all this stuff caffeine. up. But yeah, well, apparently it's fine. Um, that's uh, according to what they say here. But of course, um, if you go overboard, they're there's like a laundry list of problems that it could cause. Uh, one of those is that if you drink coffee, coffee is a known diuretic and it means it will make you need to use the restroom frequently. And when you're doing that, it's like you're, you know, kind of uh, processing things that your body should be absorbing, but you're sending them through too quickly. So things like calcium, then you would have right. less calcium in your body because you've had too much coffee. And it seems like, oh, calcium coffee, what's the connection? There's not really other than it makes you urinate out the calcium before it's absorbed into your into your system and therefore the baby gets a bit less of it. So there's all these sort of like knock-on effects. Uh, that's another Britishism. So Joe, man, he's just <laughs> he's swimming in it this episode. He's loving it. There are a lot of knock-on effects to the um, uh, to drinking the coffee. So as long as you keep it uh, you know like in the realm of moderation, you should be a-okay. And it's actually a bit more than I thought was allowed. So that's my big yeah. takeaway. Say, uh, play it totally safe. One smallish cup of coffee and you're a-okay. No trouble at all. Yeah, we 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 don't. I drink a ton of coffee, but Moe, it's uh, maybe like two or three times a week. She'll have like a regular cup of coffee with me. Most of the time she has her own decaf that she drinks. Yeah, and decaf, uh, according to this, the sky is the limit because decaf, yeah. while it's not fully caffeine-free or caffeine-less, um, yeah. it says that a decaf coffee has, let me find it, 5 to 30 milligrams. So mm. even on the high end, at the 30 milligrams, you'd have to get over six cups of it to approach the threshold. So decaf, just go wild. You're absolutely yeah. fine there. Unless, of course, you're dumping in tons of sugar and cream and then, you know, moderation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That is the key. Uh, so that's the coffee roundup. Oh, they, another bit of advice. They said that usually a, um, a coffee that you buy out at a shop is more heavily caffeinated than one mm. that you would make at home. And uh, I don't know. I believe that. That's, yeah, that may just be every the, time the, I Every time I go to Curio and get a coffee... I feel like I have the jitters when I leave. <laughs> oh, yeah. How dare you besmirch the good name of Curio on this podcast? I'm not. I'm saying that in a good way. Like, thank oh, okay. you, Curio. <laughs> yeah. It, it packs a wallop. More more caffeine for your buck down at Curio. This is uh, an unpaid advertisement for Curio. Go enjoy their fine coffees. Um, yeah. But apparently out and about, uh, it uh, packs more of a punch than at home. And I guess that's, you know, if you're running a shop, you want the customer to notice the coffee that they're drinking and to get mm. the full effect. So it tends to be caffeinated right up. Um, yeah, anyway, that that's sense. my coffee roundup. I had that question and I wanted to answer it. And there we go. Asked yeah. and answered. Uh, is it question time? Yes, sir. My question for you is, um, I'm going to preface this with a, a rambly backstory. But um, <laughs> okay. When I was a child, I was just thinking about this earlier today. When I was a child, I definitely had a slingshot. And it was one of those full-on slingshots that has like an armrest. Oh. And it's got like a, a little leather yeah. satchel type thing to hold your payload. Yeah. And uh, it's got the armrest so that you can really pull it back. And it's got like that medical yeah. grade tubing on both sides. And uh, yeah, I would. I lived out in the country. There was, I mean... 
behind my house, it was just fields as far as the eye could see. So you could just launch stones and rocks and everything. And I guess my parents just trusted me not to break all the windows in the house and so forth. Uh, (laughs) Furthermore, I had a BB gun and um, same deal. Just go out in the yard and shoot cans and just go crazy. And nothing bad ever happened. But as I'm picturing that to myself, I feel enormous anxiety about giving my own child, like theoretically years down the line, any kind of slingshot or BB gun or anything, because it just feels like you're begging for disaster. Like, here's a little weapon. Go for it. Have a good time. So um, my question for you is, do you have this big fear of the slingshots and BB guns? And uh, do you plan on you know, giving your kids those cool things that are potentially very destructive. Yeah. 100%. Yes. I have that fear. I don't know if I will give them stuff like that. I think it depends on, you know, how they are, what their temperament is and if I think I can trust them or not. Yeah. That's the mature way to go about it. Analyze, you know, see how the kid acts, make it a little responsibility for him. That could work out. Yeah. Maybe baby steps like give them something small to start with like a throwing star and we'll go from there (laughs) yeah throwing star like (laughs) knives before swords i think is the rule so that could be the way to go i was listening to another podcast earlier today and there's a guy and one of the hosts of the podcast has an untold number of children i don't know three four five kids and he said that there are bb holes in every window in the house (laughs) <laughs> and he said that um, he refuses to repair any of the windows until everyone has moved out of his home. And it's just he and his wife left. And then he's like, okay, then I'm going to get the new windows. But while we've got these kids, uh, I'm doing nothing to these broken windows that we have all over the place. And I was like, that's, that's a, crazy. That's a, that's a good policy, I think. It yeah. is. But can you imagine getting to the place where you're just cool with all of your windows being <laughs> like it, in some way cracked or with like little you know, holes in them or something that seems like a bit of an outlier. And in Japan, yeah, there's no it's guarantee cold. that it's, it's cold and it, the houses are right on top of each other. So you'll be lucky if it hits your house. I mean, realistically. Oh, yeah. yeah it's going I mean, I, neighbor's house. I have more freedom. I think there's more, there's less of a chance of somebody getting hit around my house than there is around your house. Yeah, that's true. And I don't know if BB guns are even a thing. I mean, airsoft guns, but that's that's a lot. Yeah, I think they're just airsoft here. I don't... Oh, okay. I haven't seen... Although the airsoft they have look like crazy real. Yeah. I walked into like a toy store like a couple of weeks ago and I saw these guns and I was like, Jesus. It was, it was insane how real some of them looked. Yeah, there's an armory in a lot of shops uh, of airsoft guns. It's alarming. But um, I... Airsoft doesn't pack much of a punch, does it? I've been shot with a BB gun many times in my life, and it's unpleasant, but you can deal with it. And then I've airsoft is shot. even... Oh, really? Airsoft is gentler, isn't it? I'm just making light. things up. I don't know. But it's called air. It's called air, which is very light, and soft, which means soft. So how could it be painful? Oh, I got hit with an airsoft. Like, no sympathy there. I yeah. mean, a BB will break the skin. Uh, so I would like to address... Uh, my parents and tell them thank you for giving me that really cool stuff because I loved that slingshot. I think about that slingshot sometimes still and I didn't get into the BBs as much but uh, I got the old BB gun out and shot it from time to time Uh, and it was very cool and very fun but man that's a big leap of faith on the part of the parents I think. How old were you? I don't know. I I can't say. Couldn't say for sure. I know there was a BB gun in the house before I was... uh, I was like eight, nine years old. Um, Hmm. I was firing it under supervision at that time. And then I think I had my own BB gun a bit later. So 10, 11, 12, like that sort of age. Huge risk. Yeah. I don't think I had a slingshot till I was like maybe 11 or 12. Yeah. But I never had the BB gun. That was, that was a big no, no. Interesting. Yeah. Although we used to go to, I don't know if you have them in Kentucky, but on the West coast, they have uh, what's called a Scottish Highland game. Mm, and it's kind yeah, of like a, a Scottish festival where they do basically Scottish Olympics. Mm-hmm. Giant guys go out there and throw telephone poles around and caber tossing, caber tossing. Yeah. But at these events, they have a lot of booths set up with like random things. And 
they always have a knife and sword booth. And so Lord. as a kid, I would always go there and go to this, these like knife and sword booths because they were the coolest ones when you're like 12 and 13 years old. And yeah. somehow I always talked my parents into buying me one. So I had like a, a knife collection. <laughs> well, I had a lot of knives too. And come to think of it, I had a pretty full on like outdoorsy knife with one big serrated edge and one blade yeah, edge. I did too. Pop. And I think I was yeah. only like 13. <laughs> yeah, I know for a fact because I remember having this knife um, in the first house that I lived in. And we moved from that house right around my uh, 10th birthday. So I had it when I was eight or nine and um, it was, yeah, it was like a survivalist knife. It had a compass mm-hmm. in the, in the handle. You could unscrew the handle and it had like matches and, you know, like survival gear down in the handle. And then yep. the, the blade itself was enormous. And I was like eight or nine years old, just strapping that to my belt, running around in the woods. <laughs> I, it's crazy. It's crazy. It was so cool to have at the time. And I loved it, but man, what a, oh yeah. I don't think I could get one for the kid. I would just be too nervous. And my parents must've been very cool. So yeah, like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know knife. what my parents were thinking. Maybe I was like a timid nerd and then they knew that it would come to nothing <laughs> and they were trying to get me out of the house a little bit. Or maybe they really knives. dulled it and you had no idea. <laughs> yeah, maybe it was a toy knife. I don't know. It did retract into the blade and I could stab myself in the stomach with no ill effect. So maybe that was the whole thing. No, it was a legit knife. It was intense. But yeah, nice. we got knives. And then I think in Kentucky, in a way, it's training for when you become like 15 and 16 years old and you go over to your friend's house and there's just a pile of real guns in the corner, you know, <laughs> that right. sort of thing. And so you need some like weaponry experience at a young age so that you can navigate the world of firearms. And um, yeah, when I was a kid, uh, you know, we were, yeah, I, before I had my driver's license, I remember my best friend had about six guns, like handguns and rifles and so on Damn. and uh yeah so i would go over to his house and you know you're just like a 15 year old 16 year old kid and things are just piled up and strewn around the bedroom like oh there's some underwear there's uh like a stack of books that got knocked over there's like three handguns there's like whatever and that's just how the room was and it's like oh okay i can't find my guitar picks they're under the rifle and it's like that sort of thing and they were literally just, yeah, not in a case or not in a safe or anything, just stacked wow. up in a corner. Yeah, I do remember getting warned quite sternly by my father at one point to go nowhere near the guns and don't mess around with them. I mean, we would shoot from time to time in a, a bit more of a controlled environment. But um, yeah, mm. there were always guns laying around. And I guess you need to know how to um, take them seriously. <laughs> so yeah, maybe it was for my own good. I don't know. I guess so. I didn't have any experience with guns till I think I was maybe 20. Oh, really? Yeah. In uh, in Western Washington, you don't go to a lot of friends' houses and just see guns in their rooms. <laughs> <laughs> I know for a fact that uh, when I was eight years old, I went to a summer camp when I was eight, exactly. And uh, there was a gun class at the summer camp. And it was like, you know, shooting 22s, just the rifles. Wow. And um, they, I remember that they had, uh, like, there was a cap. You could, when you went to the summer camp, you could sign up for any class that sounded interesting. So I was like, oh, yeah, arts and crafts. And, you know, you glue two pieces of wood together. And then, oh, yeah, there's canoeing or whatever. And then, oh, guns. I would take guns as well. So um, went out to this camp. And then uh, the situation was, I think we were in a dugout. I think it was like a, a baseball field, but out at a summer camp. And then the kids would get in the dugout and there were, uh, 25, 25 rifles. And so they capped the class at 50, like eight year olds (laughs) (laughs) because then you could use the buddy system. And so they were like, okay, come get your rifle, like find a partner. And then one of you come get your rifle. And now the one of you has the rifle. Okay. You're set. Now the other one come get the bullets And so they would open Mm. up these little ammo boxes and um, I would hold out my little eight year old hand and they would fill it up with bullets. (laughs) And then then the system was uh, they had mattresses down like along the uh, like just outside the dugout. They had these like, I don't know, 25, say, uh, like small mattresses there. And you were to lay down on your stomach with the rifle. And then they had targets across the field. And um, the one kid 
would hold the bullets in his hand and uh, hand them to the kid who's shooting the gun on the mattress. So he would do the, <laughs> you know, like the old shell would fly out and you'd have to pick it up and then you would hand the kid the next bullet and then he would go. And then once all the bullets were shot, you would switch places. Like I would lay down with the rifle. The other kid would run over and get a handful of bullets and come back. And um, the game was there were targets, you know, lined up across the field. And I don't know if this is true or not, but this is what they told us. Um, that you could light a match if you shot a bullet that just grazed the head of the match. I don't know if that's true, but that's what they said could happen. So Hmm. they taped matches right (laughs) next to the center, dead center of the bullseye on everybody's target. And your goal was, can you shoot dead center enough to light your target on fire? (laughs) With the 22. Yeah, with the 22 by striking the edge (laughs) of the head of a match. And so we were all like gung-ho trying to light these targets on fire. Like, wouldn't that be cool if you shot and then your whole target goes up in flames? It would just be amazing. I think that's brilliant on those teachers' part because they're so distracted with trying to hit that match that they're not trying to point that gun at anything else. Exactly. And I think that was their whole goal. (laughs) Yeah. Now that I tell the story, this is the first time I've ever thought of it, but that must have been true to get us to really focus in on it and like keep your eye on the prize, kids. Don't go wheeling around with that gun. Keep it pointed out there at the targets. Yeah, I don't remember much about it because this was 30 years ago, but um, nobody nobody did it successfully among all of us eight-year-old kids. Um, Yeah, nobody lit their target aflame, but it was our fervent goal. Like we were intensely... um, trying to do that for sure anyway so yeah there was come to think of it in my childhood i mean there are a lot of weapons available and then you you know if they're all over the place uh you probably should get used to them in some capacity and that's what happened but we have no such concerns here so um hopefully we can keep the kids out of it altogether. no yeah i don't have any concerns with that here that's i mean that's part of the reason why we're here yeah exactly to be honest (laughs) safety through the roof not yeah. even a thing to worry about. That what what is this segment even? Where did this come from? We should have a segment called guns. <laughs> Just we can talk guns. about guns every week. <laughs> um, oh yeah, yeah. Okay. So my question for you. My so question for you. <laughs> you have the anxiety, but ultimately, okay. So you're gonna weigh it out. You're gonna judge the kid on his merits. You're gonna say you're a good, level-headed boy. Here's your slingshot, sir. Yeah. Basically, okay. we'll we'll gauge their personality and see what what i think they're they're gonna be okay with i mean because around here like i chop on my own wood and i do i use a chainsaw all the time i have a bunch of axes um i have a bunch of machetes so i'm constantly doing stuff outside with dangerous stuff and i know they're gonna have access to that and they're gonna see it a lot at a pretty young age and i've i'm yeah i'm not sure when I've thought about it a lot. I'm not sure when the best time to, to kind of start them doing that. Obviously not, not when they're, you know, firstborn because they yeah. can't lift yeah. They can't lift anything yet. But yeah, that's what's holding me back. <laughs> I wish that they could pick up, you know, daggers and stuff. Um, yeah, that's, you've swayed me. You've brought me around to your way of thinking. I think that's the way to do it to, you know, table that anxiety in case you really need it, but just yeah. like, take the kid for what he is and then uh, invest in the slingshot in due course when the time comes. And maybe they're not even interested when they're older that you're just like, Hey, do you guys want to play with some axes? They're like, no, no, we're cool. I'm going to go watch YouTube. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. YouTube. (laughs) They'll watch ax throwing on YouTube and that'll be the cool thing. Right. Um, Well, uh, let's dive into Japanese of the day. I have uh, not a, big Japanese topic, but I noticed something when my wife was at her ultrasound and they announced the sex of the baby, mm-hmm. the nurse kept saying, um, and I'm going to mess this up. So I'm going to look this up really quick. Um, and mm. I know that's different than what your nurse said. We just got an Adimas. Yeah. You just uh-huh. got an Adimas. In yeah. this case though, they kept saying Tsuitemasu which means it is attached. Mm. And I thought that was a really weird way to say it's a boy. <laughs> yeah. It is attached. It's attached. <laughs> yeah. 
And then what's the alternative? Like when they say like it's a girl, like Tsuitemasen. Like yeah. it's not <laughs> so, attached. <laughs> oh, we got a loose one here. A real loose cannon. Uh that's interesting. We'll never know. I mean, unless like we go into yeah. pregnancy round two or something, we get a girl. But so far, yeah, it's all mine was Adimas, which is just uh it has or he yeah. has <laughs> and uh yeah. Yeah, having or attaching it makes sense uh and it must be natural as anything if you're a native speaker of japanese it must just be totally on the up and up that's sounds fine you know yeah sure there's a fine. recording that uh my wife was saying it and the nurse was saying it and mm. i was like okay well this is just a thing so i guess it's just kind of whatever nurse you have and whatever situation you're in they might say different things for mm. you know the sex when it's revealed yeah, and none of it is too direct. I guess that's the common thread. Yeah, I, I don't know the American side of this either. It might also be kind of, um, you know, they might dance around it a little bit. I could see that happening. Like, oh, there's a little surprise in there. You know, something like that. Yeah, so good luck to everyone decoding your nurses or doctor's messages. Oh, yeah, my wife told me it was actually the doctor, not the nurse. Um, so I was saying nurse earlier, but this was the full-on doctor who was using Adimas. Oh, I think ours was but, the nurse. Well, um. I've got uh, in my hands another handbook, just like last week. This is called, awkwardly enough, Maternal and Child Health Handbook. Oh, And um, this is Japan-wide, my friend. This is everywhere. You can pick up this book. And it's really kind of like, uh, it's not as cute as like a baby's first memory book, but it's more of like a, uh, say, a 75-page pamphlet where you sort of track all the progress of your baby and write in the figures at all the you know, uh, appointments. And, um, after the baby's born, you can keep track of things as well. So it's for your record keeping, but it's quite nice. Hmm. Um, and they make an English version. Uh, this is available, uh, Japan wide and in Kanazawa, at least there are multiple locations you can go. Um, the word for it is the Fukushi Kenko center, which roughly translates to the health and welfare center. And if you go to any of these centers, of which there should be a few dotted around a city of any size, then you can pick up uh, the maternal and child health handbook. And they have it in a variety of languages. So I would recommend getting that, um, you know, for all of the record keeping, but also for the animated glossary in the back of the book uh, hmm. with Japanese terms into English, of course, in my English version. And this glossary is like over 10 pages uh, with little pictures sometimes and it covers things like, you know, if your kid is feeling sick, then you can describe all the the symptoms of, you know, just basic parts of the body, allergies, uh, types of testing that can be done, types of medications and all that sort of thing. So very useful stuff. Yeah. Now, here's my com here's my complaint about the book. Everything in the back. And I mean everything. It's in English. And then how do they write the Japanese? It's all kanji, my friend. Oh, super helpful. Yeah, nary <laughs> a hiragana character to be found. So you can carry this with you and you can point at things, but you right. can't say them out loud unless you can read that kanji. So Is the um, whole book in both like Japanese and then there's an English side of it? Uh, it's actually uh, page by page. Um, it's written in English within a, a Japanese line underneath. So line by line, it's got it there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so they so, don't intend it to be more like a helpful guide. More, they intend it so that you can you can understand what this is in English, but we don't intend for you to speak it. Yeah. And man, there's way more than enough space in this glossary to put in a hiragana line, just so you could say these things out loud. Like I'm looking now at the word bronchitis, and I'm like, okay, four kanji characters, got it. Like that's as far as I can go. With it. <laughs> uh, and I don't know how to say it. I mean, I guess I could then look that up online and get the hiragana, but please give us some hiragana. Like, think about it from our perspective. And yeah. this is a real, like, I'm happy to have this in my hands. This is very useful. But, yeah. man, I just, I'm like 98% happy with it if they just would have gone the extra mile with the hiragana. There's always um, something little with those books that's just off enough yeah. to make you irritated <laughs> yeah exactly and i am thankful deep down but one thing that's nice is that um if something is only written in hiragana then naturally they write it in hiragana in the back because that's how it's got to be 
And one of those things um, is like famously Japan has a lot of onomatopoeia. And, uh, you know, those sorts of terms are generally like a repeated couple of sounds and they're usually just hiragana. Like there's not kanji characters for onomatopoeia a lot of times. So this is under the section called types of pain. You know how there'll be various, various types of pain you may experience. And pain is often described in these, um, onomatopoetic terms. So I'm going to tell you the Japanese for three different types of pain and based on the onomatopoeia, just, you know, clear your mind and let it wash over you and give me the sense of what type of pain this sounds like to you. Okay. <laughs> and it'll get uh, it'll get more difficult as we go. All right. The first one is chiku chiku. <laughs> if you're feeling a pain and that pain is chiku chiku, then what kind of pain are you dealing with? Um, I feel like I'm dealing with a chicken pecking at me. Okay. I have okay. no idea. Run with run with that. That's good. I will tell you that this is on the lightest end of the pain scale. This is as light as you could possibly get, I think, for technically pain. And chicken pecking is just you're you're just all around it. <laughs> <laughs> uh so like a itching, scratching? I don't know. Oh, very close. It is a tingling. A tingling. Oh dear. A God. tingling is chiku chiku. Can you can you actually classify a tingling as a pain though? It's listed under types of pain. I you know, according to the book, yes, a okay. tingling is a type okay, of pain. I would say it's that. the lightest of all pains. Okay. Um the next one is Zuki Zuki. <laughs> <laughs> if you're feeling Zuki Zuki, what's going I mean, on? Well, the way you're saying it doesn't <laughs> doesn't lend itself to pain so much. <laughs> oh, zuki Zuki. <laughs> what do you um, think zuki zuki is i i'll give you a hint in that i think this is a hilarious word <laughs> and it's I the one that agree. my eye was drawn to <laughs> uh i mean in english as well it's it's just funny to say and um i hmm. in, initially zeroed in on this one because it's hilarious to me uh can you give me a hint <laughs> i just gave you about three <laughs> hints um, I'm oh, going to say that, uh, uh, this could be, this could be even a little bit sensual. I mean, it's painful for sure, but it could be on the sensual end of things. How about that? I have no idea what you're talking about. Like a massage, <laughs> okay. like somebody's oh. punching you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like a sensual punching massage. A sensual punching. Uh, it is a sensual punching. I think could describe this perfectly. It is throbbing. <laughs> Zuki Zuki, my friend, is throbbing. Okay. Now, okay. That does go well one, with the way you said it then. Yeah. Zuki Zuki. Uh, the next one, and this is as hard as it gets. Uh, no That's pun intended. Said. Coming after throbbing. Uh, this is, um, I don't know the English. I don't know what this means in English. So good luck to you, sir. <laughs> Thanks. But I mean, it's a word I recognize, but I would never describe pain as this. The Japanese is... Kitty kitty. Kitty kitty. Kitty kitty pain. What is that pain? Kitty pain. And you'll have to go way outside the box because I don't know what this is. I man, I got nothing. You're you're kind of throwing me off with saying that you don't even know. (laughs) Yeah, that's a hard (laughs) hint. Think of something that you've never thought of before. Go. Uh kitty kitty. The word that they use is gripping. Gripping? Yeah. Gripping. G-R-I-P-P-I-N-G. A gripping pain. I don't know if it like a gripping novel like holds your attention. So yeah. I don't know if it's or if it feels as though you're being grasped or there's like a lot of tension. Is it more or like a, tightness? Is yeah, that what tightness kind of, maybe. Maybe yeah. that's what they're driving at. Kitty kitty. Kitty kitty. I don't know what it means. But that's um that's like a question for our listeners. Do they give like a, a diagram or something? This one's just in a white box. There's no context at all. Just kitty kitty means gripping, but I like that tightness in the chest. That makes sense to me. Um, I'm, yeah. you know, like just totally fabricating that, making it up. But our listeners can chime in. What is kitty kitty? Please yeah, tell if us. You've we have heard no idea. any of these in in your daily life. Please let us know. Yeah, please give us the story. Give us the context. Uh, one more time, just to um, just to review. Tingling is chiku chiku. Throbbing is zuki zuki, and gripping is kitty kitty <laughs> so use at your own discretion thanks for and that. uh i think that p- 
puts us in the clear on episode seven. Do you have anything that you would like to add? I do want to kind of start a new segment called Dad Jokes, if that's all right with you. And maybe just kind of at the end of our episodes, maybe say a couple dad jokes that we learned in the week so that we have something ready to go when our kids, kids of age and, and we can really just make them cringe. Yeah. Perfect. (laughs) I've, uh, I guess you have a dad joke locked and loaded that you're just ready to go with. I have a couple. Okay. Nice. I I made one up a long time ago, you know, as you study Japanese and you realize two words sound the same and then you turn it into a dad joke because that's the best you can do. Um, Oh, and it involves Japanese. Yeah, yeah, I've got a Japanese one ready to go, my friend. Okay, well, I'm I'm really curious to hear this one then. Okay, uh, I will have to ask the question in English, and then the answer will be in <laughs> Japanese. And <laughs> okay. it's not it's not going to be a laugher because you really got to know like the two words. <laughs> but anyway, the uh, the question is maybe I can give it a whirl in Japanese. But the question is, what is the youngest vegetable? So in Japanese, ichiban wakai yasai wa nandeska. What is the youngest vegetable? I don't know. The answer is, and be prepared not to laugh at all, Sansai dis. It's Sansai. Sansai means... <laughs> sansai means, for the explanation, just so you know it's funny, uh, it means mountain okay. vegetables, those random vegetables that grow on the mountain path that you can pick right. up and make tempura with. And Sansai is also how you would say three years old. Three years He's old. Sansai. He's three years old. So three-year-old vegetable, Sansai sansai makes perfect that's, sense it's the youngest vegetable that's pretty perfect that's a, yeah that's a perfect a dad going, joke i think yeah. yeah anyway regale us with an english dad joke if you will so i've i've stumbled across a few that i i really enjoyed uh the first one a mom says to the father i'm washing the car with our daughter the dad replies shouldn't you use a sponge Mm, saw it coming a mile away <laughs> uh, oh, painful painful it's great it's great yeah, uh, that's that's solid <laughs> next one why do you never see elephants hiding in trees i don't know why because they're so good at it oh i do like that <laughs> that's nice <laughs> makes perfect sense okay that's all yeah. i got today then that's good. I think the kids will enjoy it. That's yeah. one for the kids. Tell your children, everybody. Uh, all right, cool. Well, I think that draws it to a close. Yep. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening today. We hope uh, this week's episode was informative and interesting. If you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us either on Twitter at jpopspodcast or by email at info at thejpops.com. And we'll talk to you next time. Outros. Outros, my friend. My outro line uh, this week is going to be aim for the stars, because even if you miss, you could still blast a hole in the moon. Elephants. They're so good at hiding. Indeed. Take it easy.